everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I uh, like to do uh, from time to time where I like to talk about all things investing, where I share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and also some other people's perspectives on what's going on in the stock market, and also share with you some of my thought processes that I'm using into framing my own investment decisions. The whole point here is hopefully you can take some of these ideas and perspectives and nuggets of information and bring them back into your own personal uh, investing circumstances and ultimately hopefully it will help you make your own uh, more successful uh, investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors and as an investment coach what I do is I try to help people uh, who want to become more financially independent. The problem is um, when people start looking at investing they get really frustrated, intimidated, and confused by the whole concept. They either don't know where to start when it comes to investing or they've been investing for a long time but they just aren't making any traction or just don't feel like they're making any progress with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people, I engage with them on how to make more uh, educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and, and achieve it with confidence. So this is episode uh, 114 and it's actually part two of, uh, of my episode of my review of uh, Morgan Housel's uh, really, really awesome uh, presentation that he gave um, regarding what regarding lessons that we can gain as investors from learning about other flashpoints that happen in history, other things that happen in other industries and what we can learn from those and bring them into investing, into the whole investing domain. And it's a really great um, presentation that he gave and it's just, I found it really insightful and I just wanted to share with you in the first part, in my last episode, I went through um, the first three um, lessons that he had uh, or analogies or situations or flashpoints that he went through um, in terms of uh, and the the learning points that that we can gain out of it as investors. And so today I'm just going to continue on and just do the other two um, uh, cases um, that he went through in his presentation. And of course, if you go to my website, my link um, to the podcast, there will be a link there to the transcripts and also the presentation of... uh, uh, that he delivered. So, um, as I said, I, I don't want to get too much into the detail of what I said last time. You can hear what I had to say on the last podcast. But just to give you a quick review, the two um, and the the three cases he talked about. He cited the first case. His first example was the whole issue in Austria with them wanting to build a nuclear power plant, but then met with a whole bunch of resistance. And the takeaway being, Austria voted. Uh, to not build nuclear power plants in their country, but the fact of the matter is other countries around the world do have built nuclear power plants. And this is despite all the evidence out there that's clearly fully available to everybody showing you, showing the risks associated, the goods and the bad with um, building, with using nuclear energy. But Austria decided to not do it because they felt the risks were too high. And the, the, the takeaway is, is as investors, we can have all the same amount of information, but how we view it from a risk perspective um, is different. And a lot of times those differences are framed through our values, it's framed through our experience, it's framed through our age, and it's through, framed through our um, 
through our cultural, our background, our cultural background. And so um, risk might be really easy to quantify and everything, but how we perceive it and how we react to it is different for all of us. And uh, the, nature, the nature of how we will go about making investment decisions is really filtered a lot through our value systems and how we behave. So that was his first takeaway. The second example he talked about was uh, um, the war on cancer, looking for a uh, cure for cancer. And the theme of this takeaway was we spend billions and billions of dollars trying to research some kind of cure for cancer, but the reality is we know how to control it. We know how to, you know, not eliminate it, but we know how to manage it better now than we did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But we still don't feel like we're getting anywhere. And the, the analogy is we tend to gravitate as investors towards seeking some sort of complicated solution to something. Well, a lot of times the, the answers are in front of us and they're actually much, much more simpler than we give them credit for. And we don't tend to embrace the simple solutions. We tend to um, embrace the more complicated one. We put more value in them because if it's more complicated, that means it's gotta, it's gotta, be, it's gotta be more plausible. And that's, that's a false premise um, as investors to have. Um, with regard to that. So we went into a whole case uh, example talking about that. And I brought my own analogy of the fact of the matter is we spend billions and billions of dollars trying to figure out how to lose weight, but we know how to lose weight. We just eat sensibly and extra, eat moderately and exercise. And chances are we'll control our weight, but we don't do that. We gravitate to um, all kinds of products and gimmicks and lifestyle kind of things that hopefully are gonna help us, which are much more complicated, but really don't do the job. So that was his second example. And then the third example he talked about was, uh, was uh, the whole, the, how 9-11, um, the whole concept of um, after the attacks that people stopped wanting to fly. And even though flying has been proven to be much more safer than driving and people started flying less and driving more, but the result was it was actually creating more accidents and more injuries and more people were dying um, because of the, the perceived risk with flying. And, uh, and you bring that towards investing, a lot of times when the markets are crapping out and crashing out, our, our reaction as investors is to run and hide, sell, and you know, wait, for the, wait for things to clear out and do it, which is intuitively the wrong way. And so he kind of did a really nice job of eloquently showing how really stressful situations tend to lead us to make decisions that we think are safer and less riskier, but end up actually doing more harm to us in the long run. So those were his first three, the three, three examples that he shared in the last, uh, and I shared with them in the last episode. So I'm just gonna continue on with, with the last two that he presented. And uh, so his fourth example had to do with speeches, specifically State of the Union speeches. He cited um, a speech that um, Bill Clinton gave in January in two, January 2000 in his State of the Union speech. And basically his speech, it was a really, he talked about um, how the, you know, the State of the Union, basically what the, what's going on in the world, what's, go, I mean, what's going on in the country in terms of uh, the economy and, you know, people's well-beings. And it was a very positive speech in the sense that at that time there was a lot of economic growth was really solid, unemployment was really low, and the government was actually generating surpluses. And so it was a very positive speech. And so you would think when you take that into stocks, that stock prices probably would react positively. It was a, probably a really good time to be in stocks at the time. 
Sure enough, following that speech in January 2000, we had the dot-com crash, and stocks proceeded to fall about almost 50% after that State of the Union speech. So that's that. Let's flash forward to January of 2010, and uh, President Obama delivered a same State of the Union speech, but it was a much more, it was kind of the opposite of what Clinton's speech was. In the time, in Obama's speech, um, the economy was in recession, unemployment was really high, um, government was running huge budget deficits, um, we had the whole financial crisis thing going on, so there was a lot of gloom and doom in Obama's State of the Union speech. So normally we would think, oh, okay, um, in terms of stock prices, we're probably going to see the stock market is going to continue to to crap out. Sure enough, since that speech in January 2010, stocks went up almost 170%. So what's the takeaway here? And the takeaway here that household, Morgan Household talks about is that is stock prices and economic growth and economic variables don't move together. They don't move side by side and one doesn't complement each other in exactly the same way. And it's really the, the, the lesson here is, is um, trying to, you know, taking economic events and then extrapolating into stock prices is pretty much impossible to do because you really have to predict what's going on. And the reality is you can't predict what stock prices are going to react to based on economic information. And it's funny because, you know, we, we're so dependent on where we hang on every word that, you know, the Federal Reserve talks about with respect to interest rates and currencies and job reports and everything. And the reality is, over the long term, there really isn't much of a correlation uh, between that and stock prices. Um, it's really what drives stock prices is really more human behavior, um, not really economic variables. And I, and I agree with that at a high level, but um, from a from a micro level, if I'm analyzing individual companies, I still think there is a value in looking at uh, economic variables like unemployment, currencies, currency valuations, interest rates, because that does feed into how companies are going to behave and how their companies are going to make their respective investment decisions and how they're going to run the company. So, and ultimately, that's going to feed into the stock price is going to reflect that. So. I agree with it at a macro level, but at a micro level, I think there's still some value in understanding what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the external environment, and uh, and I think there is ways you can you can parlay that. But if you're looking at buying, you know, an ETF of the S&P 500, you really shouldn't care if you have a long-term horizon. Um, what the job report's going to be tomorrow or what the Federal Reserve meeting next week is going to determine with interest rates. So that's kind of his takeaway is that you just can't predict what's going to happen based on what's going on in the economy in terms of what stock prices are going to do. And Clinton's speech, which was super, you know, positive, led to a really, had a really negative impact on stock prices going forward. And Obama's speech, which was really negative, you know, it signaled the start of a, a huge, uh, crazy bull market. So go figure, you just can't use economic variables to predict what stock prices are. So that's another that's another takeaway um, from, uh, from Housel's uh, presentation. The final one he talks about, and he cites the case of um, the Wright brothers, which were the two brothers that developed the first aircraft, the first, you know, they were the, they were the first people to, to fly. Um, 
And what he talks about is um, when they first, you know, went to Kitty Hawk and, you know, did their first initial um, flights, they got so much attention and so much, uh, you know, press and so much they were, they were celebrities and they became these iconic people and still are. Um, and so we saw the, the output, but we never see in household what he talks about is nobody saw all the amount of, the amount of years that they took practicing, developing the tools, the technology, the capability, all the, you know, trials and tribulations that went into that, that moment when they took their first um, flight. And his extrapolation really is, is that investing is, you know, we tend to focus on the outcomes, but we don't really focus on the process. Um, and the fact of the matter is, great things, value, you create value, stocks go up over the long term um, through patience and through perseverance and through companies that are running their business with a long-term approach. They're not running their businesses um, on a quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis. Ultimately, the value of a company is going to reflect the long-term fundamentals of the business. And as investors, when we make investment decisions, we need to think not like the outcome, the end result. We need to think through the process, the framework, having a framework for making those decisions. And we need to think, have investment horizons that are not short-term, quarter-to-quarter decisions. We need to make decisions that are going to be, heck, even decades ahead of what we want to do. And that's not easy. So it's just having a long-term um, viewpoint of of where we make how we make investment decisions and he uses you know the Wright brothers as as an as that analogy in the sense that um, getting to that point where they were able to fly they had to go through a whole lot of perseverance and they had to take you know they, they had to do a lot of practice a lot of refining and it takes time and so when you want to make investment decisions you want to be successful in investing you have to have a much more long-term pro uh, long-term focus and you have to have patience and you need to have perseverance and uh, ultimately that's those are the that's going to be that key that's going to get you to getting better returns so those are those five um, I guess case studies or analogies of things of flashpoints that we've seen of major flashpoints milestones that have occurred in in our lives and in pop culture that are not necessarily investing related but teach us um, certain things that do impact how we can make investment decisions and how we can make better investment decisions. And really what's common and what's unique about each of these elements that he talks about is it's really behavior driven. It has nothing to do with uh, the mechanics of investing investment decisions. It's really about how our behaviors are, how we're comfortable with uh, the biases out there that can influence our decision that can influence our decision making and can cloud our judgment and so the better we are at being more aware or more in tune with our behaviors the better our success is going to be and he ends, he ends the presentation with a quote from from a gentleman named bill bonner where he says quote people don't get what they want or what they expect from the markets they get what they deserve and what that means is ultimately how what our behaviors are and how our mindset is and how disciplined we are in making our investment decisions is going to ultimately determine how successful we are. The markets are just gonna do what they are gonna do. They don't really care about who you are and what you are and what your circumstances. They're just gonna keep doing their thing. 
our job as investors is to make sure we're like making those decisions from a good place with a framework and trying to make it from an objective perspective and not letting emotions get in our way. So again, really, really awesome presentation. And I really recommend you get a chance to check it out. Either the, uh, the video version, audio version, or the, you can just read the transcript. So I'll have the links on my website on the blog post, so you can just uh, check them out. Definitely worth your time to take a look at. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this or anything else related to this podcast or anything else for that matter. You can hit me through my website, sageinvestors.ca. You can drop me an email through there, or you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at sageinvestors. And I'm on there all the time tweeting uh, my observations about the market, my own decisions that I'm making, and sharing all kinds of content that I'm running across there too. If you're interested, I also do an email once a week called In The Loop where I basically share um, content links um, to articles, investment research that I'm using and I'm reading um, that's helping me make my own investment decisions. So I'm sharing it with you. Um, if you're interested, you just drop, uh, just sign up on my website and you get it every Wednesday morning. I send them out every Wednesday morning. So if you're interested, you can do that. So that's all I got for you today. Um, hope you find that interesting. And uh, if you're interested, also all my podcasts are on iTunes. So you can go on there and subscribe and uh, leave some comments. And uh, hope, hopefully these, uh, these podcasts will give you some value and just give you some really cool ideas in terms of helping you make your own uh, ultimately more your own uh, successful investment decisions. So that's all I got for you this week. Uh, thanks for listening in. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>